This is the Pro Audio Suite Podcast. Quick Bites. Welcome to another Pro Audio Suite Quick Bite, thanks to Rode Microphones. This week, we're talking about all things new and technical. Uh, Each have got their own thing, except me. The only thing I'm going to talk about is the uh, microphone that I'm using on today's episode. George, you've seen something that intrigued me with the NT-USB mic. Yeah, since you happen to have one and we've been experimenting with it, um, it just popped up on my my radar on YouTube because I subscribe to a lot of tech journalists who get that gear for free and then they do their videos and I stumbled on this new technology called Road Connect. And so what it is, is it's sort of a a mind meld between a Rode uh, NT-USB Mini and it must be the Mini. It can't be the other one, the older one. And uh, a mind meld between that mic and then this software. And what it does is, and this was totally unbeknownst to me until I watched this video, is that I had no idea that the Rode NT-USB Mini has onboard DSP. But indeed, it does. And it has a suite of process processing similar to what comes on the Rodecaster Pro. Um, now, it has absolutely no parameters that you can tweak. Everything is just on and sometimes too much, and off, um, and that's all you can do. But the fact that it has that stuff built in is pretty yeah. amazing, including the Aphex uh, Big Bottom, the Aphex Exciter, a compressor, and a, an expander. All of these are inside the mic, but those features are really well hidden until you load this application. So once you load Rode Connect, the microphone and Rode Connect now unlock features. So... Road Connect kind of looks like an audio mixer. And the idea is that it allows you to emulate a lot of the features of Roadcaster Pro, but purely in a software form. But the microphone is the key part of it. So the microphone is the obviously the microphone. It's also the DSP, which allows the microphone to have some nice, you know, sound polishing properties. It allows you to have no latency monitoring because that's built into the road mic. And it allows you to have multiple mics. So you can couple together four NT-USB mini mics if you have enough USB ports or a good hub. Um, And all those can run into the same app. And uh, they're all mixed together. Everyone can hear each other. It creates all the correct mix minuses. And it even creates a mix minus for sending audio to and from the computer to get audio to and from, let's say, for example, Zoom or Source Connect. So it can do all of this inside this app. As long as you have a U, you have to have at least one NT-USB mini. Wow. So what, for the price of one of those mics and this free application, you now have basically a podcasting studio. And it will record, and it also passes the audio through virtual sound drivers into other applications. So it's a... Pretty fascinating surprise from Rode, and you should give it a try if you just so happen to have an NT-USB mini mic. Yeah. That's bizarre, because we compl- when we did the quick test of the NT-USB a couple of episodes back, um, the one thing that uh, was quite obvious, there was no gain control on the mic. Right. But obviously, when you got this application, there it is. Everything's there. All the controls that you wish the mic physically had on it, are all inside Road Connect. That's incredible. So if you're the producer, you could have one in front of you and then three in front of your guests, and then you as a producer can control everybody's gain from that console. 
So um, it's it's brilliant. I think it's a really really cool idea. Mm. It's very really affordable. It's clearly not a really a voiceover tool. It's really a live streaming or podcasting tool. But it can also even be used for doing high quality Zoom conferences where you really want to get great audio into Zoom or into some other platform you're using. So um, it's it's cool. I would say give it a give it a shot. I wonder if they'll do a version of the AI one or some other interface which will have all that kind of technology as well. I think they should. If they don't, they're crazy. But I think to me, it just seems like the perfect like collision of all these technologies. Yeah. You know, if they added AI one plus or AI one pro or something like that, that had some DSP on board the AI one, that would be a killer tool. That would be a killer tool for the, for the live caster. So you could use any mic, obviously. Because I mean, the, the the thing is, you I mean, look, why you probably wouldn't bother putting that into a, a, a large condenser microphone like an NT one or something, or would you? I mean, maybe they do an up version of that, but then you've got to have some kind of preamp, I guess. So yeah, the Rodecaster Pro is what does is the tool for that because so it's it's got programmed profiles for some of the Rode mics like a Rode NT one exactly. Yep. Um, so again, the Rodecaster Pro is for beginners that don't know engineering, but an engineer can unlock it and give you way more control over the features. So it's a, an interesting intersection. Whereas the NT USB mini with road connect is definitely not going to unlock those advanced features in the foreseeable future. It's just, do you want Apex big bottom on or off? It's literally on off. Cause when you think about it, like I've got the RME PCI card in my computer, which gives you total mix. And I've got a four-channel splitter. Now, that thing, with the four-channel splitter and the, the PCI card, I think in American dollars would have to be somewhere around $1,500 to $2,000, I'm guessing. Right. Where what you're talking about, if, if Rode actually had that kind of technology with DSP inside an AI-1, man, yeah. that's... It like, could be like a free $299 interface with all that mixing power on board. Yeah. They could take yeah. a Rodecaster Pro, strip off all the knobs and buttons... And just shrink it into an AI one. If yep. they don't come out with that, I will be completely shocked because it was like a year or so ago that they actually, I think they actually asked me if that's something I would be interested in. It's like a year and a half, two years ago, right after the Roadcaster Pro came out. They're like, would you maybe be interested in something a lot smaller that didn't have all the faders on it? And I was like, yeah, I think I would. But can so, you, you, can, you can imagine the kit, can't you? Like they currently do the NT1 and the AI one as a kit. Yeah. Imagine totally if it good. had that DSP in there. My God, exactly. that's it. Yeah. Game There's over. a lot of potential because they have the intellectual property. They've done the R&D on the software, the hardware, the firmwares, all that stuff. Now they just come up with new creative ways of packaging it for different use cases. So yeah. they're killing it. Yeah. Very clever. That's very clever. I have another one too, but I'll tag it on to the end so somebody else can take over talking for a while. I guess my new is uh, something that you turned me on to, George, although I think I might have had a quick look at it beforehand, but a thing called Soothe 2, which is from... Soothe, yes. Soothe 2, is it Oak Sound? O-E-K? T-H-E. That's it? Right. Yeah, and Oak Sound. It's, um, well, they call it a dynamic resonance suppressor. It's sort of like, I mean, if I had to explain it, it's sort of like a de that you can use on any frequency. 
So right. it was across the board and, and I've used it, I've used the trial version. I'll be honest, I haven't bought it as yet, but I've used the trial version mm-hmm. and I used it for, um, well, one was a really muddy recording that came in um, that I had to do stuff with. It was, um, it was uh, listeners on the street that had been recorded. I don't know what mic they'd used, obviously, whatever they could grab out of the storeroom, um, but it had been right. recorded by you know, the guys who drive the trucks for the radio station and it was just terrible, but it was really muddy sure. anyway. So I ran it across that um, and, and it, it did a great job and it's, it obviously also works at higher um, frequencies as well. Um, the other place I found it really handy was because with radio imaging, um, the stereo image is your friend. Um, when I'm doing my mastering, I do a lot of stuff um, not only in the center channel, but on the left and right channels exclusively. Um, and it has a mode that lets you do that. It lets you you work on the on the the, the left and right sound of the sides of the mix. Um, and playing around with it with that, I found I could get some really cool effects. Um, so yeah, so it's very cool. It's it's like. I guess if I had to explain it with, if you couldn't see it, it's sort of like a multi-band compressor, but it's not, am I right in saying it's not compressing, George? Yeah. It's, it's really not. It's expanding. It's expanding, yeah. So it's, I think um, it's expanding. Well, 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 let me think about that. No, no, yeah, I would say you're right. It is, it is a multi-band compressor. Yeah. It's just, what I think differentiates a lot of the new plugins isn't that they're doing an, an entirely new thing. Robert could concur. There's only so many things you can do to an audio signal. You know, you can press it, you can EQ it, you know, what, what, how many things can you do? But it's how all those things interact and how you as the engineer have control over it. Right. And what makes this thing cool is the user interface. I don't think it's so much that it's doing something you couldn't do before. Is it, is it a dynamic EQ or is it a expander? Well, it's got multiple bands, right? Yeah. It's got five bands. It's got five bands. Um, yeah, and you get. I guess it, it's interesting in the fact that in, on the interface, you you basically like like an EQ, a, a normal EQ, where you sort of drag, you know, where you want it to be, whether it's cutting or boosting, and and where the frequency is, and change the Q and all that sort of stuff. It's, like the parametric it, EQ and Adobe Audition. Yeah, it right? sort of looks like, like that. That, that right? graphical interface, exactly. But you sort of you, where you want it. It's it's interesting in the fact that where you want it to cut, you drag it up, and that the, the higher you drag right. it up, the more it cuts on the other side of that. Right. You're raising the threshold of the compressor at that band. That's right. So it's so it's compressing less though. So so the whole thing starts out in sort of a reduction kind of mode, and then when you want more out of it, you're really just releasing some of the compression on you, that band. Yeah, sort of. Yeah, that's probably close. Did you notice if it was loaded with presets or was it like... There's a shitload of presets. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, See, that, that's another thing people got to remind yourself that you're paying for when you're buying good plugins. The, the good ones come with a, a huge array of good presets. Yeah. Because if, if you don't have a lot of experience with a plugin like this, you're going to be really in the dark. Yes. So to at least have some presets to get, you, get the ball rolling yeah. is really pretty important yeah in fact when you are getting the, if you do download this and have a play because there is a a um a demo version there the the two buttons i found really useful uh up in the top left hand corner there's a soft and hard mode and i found sort of starting off in the hard mode so i could hear what i what it was doing as i was changing parameters 
was really helpful. So then when you do go to the soft mode where what it's doing is a little more subtle, you actually can understand what it's doing and you know what to listen for. Uh. Um, so I kind of found that the easiest way to get my head around it, whether that helps anybody. Cool. But yeah. How does it compare with, even though it's not a compressor, the OC818, the plug-in that you get when you use uh. both, uh, both capsules? Well, I mean, it's only similar, similar I think, to the sort of the GUI, the, the graphical user interface, where you have like multiple bands that you can sculpt up and down. That's the, I would say, the extent of it. But it, 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 it's similar in that it is five bands that you can control. Um, treble, upper mid-range, mid-range, lower mid-range, bass. So, but you have, with Soothe, you have a tremendous amount of control over where those bands actually are. You can exactly choose, you know, where the cutoff is, and yeah, on the surface, like for me, multi-band compressors are often a little bit, at least the traditional ones that I've used, there's one in Adobe Audition and stuff. It's always, to me, been a bit of a voodoo. Um, I love <laughs> I get, once you learn how to use them and you know how to manipulate one, they're obviously super powerful. Because I, th- I think of the multi-band compressors, like it's basically your, your tonal in terms of compression, but also EQ to some degree in one. And the only thing that might be more interesting than a multiband compressor is more of a traditional multiband or more of a dynamic EQ. So, you know, if you think about it, multiband compressors work on the concept of taking the audio, passing it through a bunch of filters. So it chops it up into four discrete bands. Then you compress them separately and then you put it all back together. And I think maybe what a multiband EQ might do is it just, here's this EQ band and what do you want me to do with it based on dynamics, either a side chain or the direct input. So it's not going through that initial, more more like a normal EQ, you're just boosting or lowering a particular frequency, but you're not first slicing it up with a big crossover network and putting it back together. Does that make sense, George? I think so. And I think that's why sometimes parametric equalizers and things like that can consider, some say they have phasing issues, Mm -hmm. I guess, because when those bands recombine the other side, there's sometimes phase canceling. That's one of the things to watch out with multiband compressors is that you are, you are taking it apart and putting it back together. And it's like, does that ever go back together the same? I'm Mm -hmm. glad you'd explained it that way because I, for the longest time, I couldn't, I really didn't understand what it was about a parametric EQ that would make that would create phasing issues. But when you described it that way, I was like, well, oh yeah, with a, that makes with sense. A parametric EQ, it makes, it has phasing issues just because of the nature of whatever EQ that they're using. You know, like Waves makes a number of um, no phase shift EQs. They tend to be, right. I, I noticed that those t- types of EQs, you seem to be less able to focus them on a particular frequency. Right. They're often a little bit more wideband. I would say that anytime you get involved with steep filter edges, that's where your phase shifts and your ringing starts happening. So on any EQ, it's like, you know, a broad thing is less disruptive than a sharp edged yeah. filter. Well, I, I mean, Soothe is expensive enough. I mean, that's probably why you haven't bought it yet. That it's a, not, it's not an impulse buy. It's 220 US. So it's like, unless you need that tool, it's a little expensive. Um, but the thing that I thought might was, was, was really, um, and, um, fascinating about it is would it do a good job of controlling a bad acoustical booth so oh, that yeah. booth has a, a 130 or 160 and like a 90 hertz standing wave yep would this thing soothe it or smooth it out could you find those bands and have them be controlled 
So that's something I've been wanting to try and I haven't had a chance. Yeah, I would think you could narrow it down like that. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that could be a handy tool if you're working remotely for you, George. I mean, you can just jump on their screen and play and use, you know, Source Connect to listen. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this combined with a de-reverb tool. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, you know, how far are we going to go to polish a turd here? But could you... I'll bring the glitter. Yeah. (laughs) Roll that sucker in glitter. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. That's why I think of these tools as like post-engineer tools that are given audio Exactly as 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 Robert or Robbo was describing, you're given some audio, yeah, and you got to make it work. See, see, do you know what I use for a de reverb tool? What's that? A multi band compressor. Ah, yeah, because I just I just flip it up and I make it a, a expander, uh-huh. and then it expands. So so as soon as it drops below a certain threshold, it begins falling off quicker, and it grabs the tail of the reverb and suppresses sure. it. Sure, yeah, yeah. So if if all that's left is an S in the word. We're already sitting back on all the 300 and, you know, even 500, just everything that's below, like, whatever, 5K. Right, right. Where the S is, and you're already pushing those things down as far as the reverb tail goes. Sure. Well, I'll talk a little bit later about another multiband tool. That's, that's a, that is an expander, but uh, what else is up? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm actually curious because two, two of you already know what this is, but one doesn't, and that's Robert. So mm-hmm. my question to you, Robert, is what microphone do you think I'm using today? Speak to me. Okay, so I'll speak to you. Robert, this is a microphone I haven't used before on the show. Okay, so and now use your um, 416. I can't. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so it's, 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 uh, he doesn't have an AB switch handy. Okay. No, uh, I, I don't. I, what mic have you been thinking about? What's going on? No, I, I, I can tell you, though, just to give you a bit of a... Give me a country of origin. <laughs> Being an ex-radio announcer, he's used one a lot over the years, but he hasn't used one for a long time. Sounds kind of dynamic. It's uh, I used one of these for most of the 80s, actually. Okay, so it's a PL20 or an RE20? Nope. In the it's right a, family. Uh, but okay, you're heading okay. in the right direction. Give you, I'll give you a hand, though. I've, I'm running it through the SSL2, and I've got the 4K button pressed. So I can... Un- SM7? Uh, fact, I, there you go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Bingo. SM7B. Uh-huh. Yeah. Sounds dynamic. And you, you you don't need any more size, man. You're fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was curious because, I, I, you know, I've never been a, a fan of these microphones at all. I mean, I, I understand why they get used in radio stations for obvious reasons. They get used in music a ton. I know, yeah, like yeah. Metallica and all that mm-hmm. kind of yeah. stuff. But um, I've got one. I like it. But it is yeah. dark, and it needs a lot of preamp. Well, it does. I've got the gain up at, um, well, on the SSL, I'm probably nearly 11. <laughs> but um, Well, that's it's... still clean gain, though. I mean, that's what's surprising me. Like, this is the torture test of most inexpensive yeah. interfaces. Can you plug an SM7 in or some without a booster yeah. and yeah. crank the gain to 11 and get a clean gain? And that SSL is doing, doing it with flying colors. Yep. I'm so, not even in. I'm actually the SSL is actually hitting I, orange. I definitely cannot hear Andrew's noise floor over my open window next to me. Yeah, no, no, no. I can't hear it either. <laughs> Before you joined with your open win, open window, I can tell you I was not hearing noise. I've heard a lot of SM7Bs through Scarlets and with cloud lifters and without cloud lifters, and yep. I'm almost always telling everybody you have the wrong mics, uh, yes. or my lady. You have the wrong damn mic. 
But it's um, an interesting, yeah. like if you were in a shit environment and you did need something like this, I mean, you can you could get away with it. But oh yeah, and using an SSL two, and no cloud lifter or anything required. In fact, yeah. I'm actually on nine on the on the game. Nine out of ten. Yeah, yeah if, if like yeah. Raba was to like cut in about like three or six decibels of like four K or something, it'd start to sound a little bit more like we're used to with like a condenser. But it, yeah, it, it definitely has that like. And no mouth noise, you know. It's like I, I think the SM7 is great at getting rid of that junk. It, it's and I've taken the foamy off as well, and I mm. I think I've popped once, and that was uh, earlier now. in the episode. I think <laughs> oh, yeah, I've just popped. Oh, make it three times. Yep. Yeah, I popped. Oh, I popped again. There you go, make it four. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, no, it's, it's a good one. And and they and they now have like the SM77 USB. I don't know if it really is an SM7. It probably is not. But they they have like a new SM7 something that's like a podcast type of. Oh, it's the oh no, that's the MV7. I think. MV7, yeah, MV7, it's yeah, a, yeah. It does an admiral, admirable job. Well, it's it's a weird one because it's USB and uh, XLR. Yeah, it does yes, both exactly, which is so, yeah. nice, which is very very nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. I mean, I think what they did was they put a capsule, either a 57 capsule or maybe one of their lesser capsules. And then put it in that body, and then added a bunch of DSP because it has DSP, like it does. Uh-huh. these other mics, and and a, and reasonably clean preamp. I mean, it's it's again, I've heard it a few times, and I would never have said, "Oh, get rid of that thing." I'm sure it sure makes a quality product. I'm sure they do. So, they, so, they, so yeah, George, when was the last sure. time you used an SM5? <laughs> well, me never. I've never mm-hmm. used one. I know what they look like, but I've never used one. Do you know what's it's in like them? a big foam ball? Right? It's a big football looking thing, right? And you take an a, SM- you take. A, it's a fifty-seven inside. <laughs> it's a fifty-seven inside, pretty much. It's like a, it's like a five forty-five, but they don't even bother putting the little center grill on it. It's just the outside plastic. Huh. Um, at least the one that I had. I yeah, that's a trip. Th- those are interesting mics too. Before the SM seven. Yeah, my understanding the SM seven lineage also goes back to the same Unidyne fifty-seven capsule. Mm-hmm. I mean, they all are based on the yeah. same Unidirectional. Unidyne capsule. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So George. Out of interest, I think I know the answer to this, but if you were going to, if someone came to you and said, look, I, I really need for whatever reason to put an SM7 in my room, do you re- is, is the amount of gain it requires an impediment? It is because most uh, like Scarlet's and their ilk, you know, those price range. They have like only 55 or 60 decibels yeah. of gain. So if you're doing spoken word, like an audiobook narration, which is the bike that seems to be the mic that people keep buying for that. Unless you're doing animated character reads. Like I had a lady recently, I had her take the cloud lifter out because for whatever reason it was noisier. There was like more sort of just electrical noise. I don't mm-hmm. know why. Mm-hmm. So we took it out and and it was low, right? But I said, well, give me a level. Let me let me hear what you're doing. Like what's and she was doing characters and screaming and laughing. And I was like, well, actually, you're good to go because <laughs> your input level is so the dynamic range of what you're so doing hot. is super wide, yeah. And you're 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 hitting the mic hard, so it actually worked beautifully for that stuff. But if she was doing ASMR or something <laughs> yeah. extremely quiet, it would be the opposite of what you'd want because mm. you'd need so much gain. And to and, get and that's mic, not to uh, speak of the the quiet yeah. parts where she's not reading very loud, and that all that that might have to get gained up. Yeah, mm. there's a. I mean, audiobook stuff requires. Boatloads of compression and limiting, yeah, and down expanding and stuff. So, yeah, that's the problem. It just needs lots of gain. So the SSL is unique in in its price point for 
being gain. able to provide that much gain without yeah. an additional, at least audible amount of noise. So yeah. it's pretty, it's pretty, it's a pretty good match. I, I'm glad that yeah. uh, Andrew came with that setup today because I hadn't you, heard it before. You know, it's interesting. I should look at it, but those interfaces that we got, um, Robo from what the hell are they called? Uh, uh, yeah. Oh, uh, um, Acousta. No, Acu- Acousta. Acoustic. Acousta. Acousta. Yeah. yeah. They, I have to say, like, the mic preamp seems ridiculously good. Mm-hmm. And and that's, like, the one thing you can say about it. It's really kind of a, like, how do you use this thing? It's got two buttons, and you start pushing one button twice, and it does this thing, and you push the other one, and it does another thing. Yeah. So it's like headphones and mic gain are yeah. up and down are all covered by only two buttons. Right. Um, but ultimately, it did plug in and seemed... Like it's like, how do you come up with an audio interface that's fifteen hundred dollars? That's only stereo, but yeah, it does seem I, to be pretty I, nice. Spending <laughs> gobs and gobs of money on R and D and circuit design. I mean, that guy clearly yeah spent um, a tremendous amount of time in the lab, you know, optimizing his circuit. Getting, I mean, the noise floor rating on it is insane. Totally, yeah, like yeah. it's off the charts. I'm like, that's a when I read about it's it, like an, I was like, it's like that's an for outboard a lab. preamp. But yeah, I was like, this is more like a lab measurement tool. Yeah. You know, it's so incredibly quiet, you know? And that's what killed it for me was the user interface and the price. The audio ah. quality is unwavering. Did you send yours back already or do you still have it? No, I've still got mine. I haven't gotten one. Yeah. Oh, you got um, one, Robert. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I got so one. Yep. Just just to fill everyone in, these are little what are they? They're they're about the size of what? I don't know. They're if, about like four inches by an inch by half an inch. You know what it reminds me of? If anybody's got an Apple TV unit, it reminds me of the remote control, the old remote control that had the button. Yes, it is control. that small. No, it's about that it is, size. Yeah. But it plugs into your iPhone or your your, your smartphone. And, or your and, computer. Or your computer. computer. Yep. Or your computer. Yep. Um, and, uh, and and it's a, it's got two mic pre's in it, effectively. Um, well, it's got everything you need. It's got two mic pre's, headphones, digital in, digital out, phantom power. Yeah, the whole kit. Like, yeah, it's a, yeah, it's it's all the stereo. It's like a full stereo interface. Yeah, like if you're, I, I, who's this for? It's for a really small audience. I think it's for like, for example, someone who's like a really high end classical engineer mm-hmm. who goes out and does field recording or classical music recording. You know, he's got a pair of really high resolution Berlin Kajir mics. You know, or DV, DVX, DVA, whatever they are. And that's that's when they want the most high resolution audio humanly possible. I think that's who it's for. I, I I think a voiceover person could use it just the same. If you go from the like, I don't need plugins. I don't need to be processing stuff. I just need to give the best signal I can, and I want to travel as light as possible. This thing certainly takes it over an Apollo traveling, or oh, well, really, it's in the zone yeah. of the um, the XLR to USB sticks. It's not quite that small, but it's in that yeah. amount of travel size. The thing crazy. that kills it for me, and this is just me, but I hate proprietary breakout cables. Yes. Yeah. And they're not necessarily proprietary. Like if you went to the right high-end production sound mixing supplier, they'd probably have these. Yeah. But you are but dead in the water without that you're crazy dead in the water cable. Without Don't leave cables. it at home. Yeah. I, <laughs> that's that's right. right. Correct me if I'm wrong, uh, yeah. but based on the website, it seemed like you had to buy those. Well, plug a mic I, I had to have them shipped to me specifically because however my box was shipped to me, it clearly got tampered with in customs or something, and there's no cables with it. So I had to like yeah. stare at it for a week, and I finally plugged it in when I got the cables from them. They mm. had to send them separately. But yeah, it, is, well, it is definitely a high-end piece. I'd, I'd give it to you that it's ideal for 
a very gorilla classical stereo setup. It's yeah. it's great uh, for anybody who wants to capture with the utmost quality. I do think that it'd be okay for a voiceover talent, although the speed of the controls would concern me. It's fiddly. Um, fiddly. Fiddly. It's it's like single button, two button, like this mode, that mode. How do you make sure that you yep. are getting the right thing out of it? But the Apollo already confounds many a many a voice actor. Mm. And that actually has a knob on it. So (laughs) this is just going to be all the worse. Do you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of the uh, monolith from 2001. (laughs) Yeah, just a tiny one. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, 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 you know, God, I give the guy props, but he reached out to me and I I was like, it just doesn't, it's not in my market. Yeah. It's just in a price for a different audience from mine. So I wasn't going to. Waste his it time. Is, it is priced million. well above. I mean, when you think about what the Apollo brings you, and it is clunkier and bigger to travel with and everything, but you get all that software fun. And this thing is very much a pure, it's about purity, mm. essentially. Yeah, it's, it's clearly about purity. Yeah. I mean, 1440 euro. It's for the, the price unit. of a serious mic pre. And then 50 euro yeah. for the cable to plug into it. Uh, yeah, you're at just about 1500 euro. For one mic preamp channel with one cable, and it's it's super hi-fi. Yeah, and the thing for no me, denying. as uh, on the other side of the glass, as a studio owner, I mean, the uses for me would be obviously going out and recording on location. But I mean, I already have a Zoom. I have an H6 that I use for that, and right. it sounds awesome. Um, also yeah. has a built-in. Right. You'd mic. have to be really into the specs. Yeah, you'd have to be yeah. like, I'm recording cricket farts. Not even cricket farts. <laughs> yeah. Those would be loud. That's right. Like ant farts. Yeah, absolutely. and you'd have to have a microphone like the uh, one of those like zero self noise mics that would yeah, handle it to anyway. make it worthwhile to have all that resolution. Because if you're recording environmental sound, well, you always have room tone. You got background noise from the environment. So you know that's why I feel like it's a perfect measurement device. Yeah, you know, measuring Probably for right. measuring instrument, you know, a me- measurement tool because yeah. it has no noise. But or, for someone, say, for instance, for someone like me, instead of having, you know, all this outboard gear, would would that be a good alternative? If you're looking, it seems to me that if you're looking for the smallest direct to the computer straight wire from a microphone, this might be one of them. Like, yeah. No external interface, or or sorry, no external preamp, extremely good preamp that seems to bring nothing to it, but just amplification seems to be, um, this thing's like the closest thing to a straight wire. Describe it. Yeah. It's like a straight XLR to, I mean, it's a full interface. It's got output. I mean, you, you definitely could travel with it as a voice talent. It's got everything you need. It's got a great preamp headphones, um, ability to turn up your headphone and adjust your microphone, pretty much is everything you need. It's just a little bit like mysterious looking and you have to figure out how to use the two buttons on it to get probably like the four functions you need out of it. Yeah. How about um, the, how about the infamous, how do I control the monitor mix between me and the other guy? Can I haven't gotten that? to there yet. I, yeah, I, exactly. I believe it can, but that's what I'm saying. It's like, oh, it's like, not nearly obvious enough. It's correct. just very, uh, you yep. literally to do literally square one, you have to read the manual. Mm. And that's just Tell me out. a design flaw. <laughs> yeah, I was able to. I, I, honestly, I was able to use it without the manual. But I've Sweet. not. I've not divided my like adjusted my headphone, my microphone monitoring gain compared to the pass through gain. Or you know, right. like the the mon, the 
the computer. Right. So um, no, I, I agree. The, the interface leaves a lot to, be, to want. If you want something that's quick, it's not going to be a quick adjustment type of device. Yeah. If you want something that's small and high quality, yep. th- there it is. <laughs> is it. If you want yeah. something that's expensive, it is It's in a too. class of its own, as yeah. far as I can tell. I mean, the closest thing I can think of is something I had 20 years ago, and it was called, called a Digigram. Yes. And it was a PCM CIA card that I put in my ThinkPad. I was comparing it to the Mini-Me, the Apogee Mini-Me. Yeah, the Mini-Me, yeah. The Digigram I compare it to because the Digigram was a PCM CIA card. Yeah. You remember those? I remember that one. I had it preamps slid on into it. My, yeah, yeah, it slid into my power, my uh, ThinkPad. Yeah. And then it had onboard preamps. Um, but I don't think they were very impressive. <laughs> were right. Yeah. So this thing takes with that, the idea of the Digigram and takes it to another level. But again, that was... That was before you could get good USB audio. That was the only way to do it. Like, why is it any different than, like, how is it different than a Scarlet is the, to a Digigram? It's just a, because this isn't PCM, this is a USB. Right. When I bought the, the, when I bought the Digigram card, there was no USB audio interface. Right. I, I, I mean, just think it's no like portable. a super high-end Scarlet or, yeah. you know, Centrin. It's not, Centrin's my port pro. Like that's yeah, probably the, the market. Ultra high after. res Scarlet. Yeah. <laughs> Essentially. Right. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Interesting. So what's it called again? Acousta. Acousta? Acousta. Acousta. Dot A-T is the website. Yeah. That's Australia. Oh, that Austria. Austria. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yes. It's good because this is how it's supposed to be. <laughs> now I can ask you a question, Robert. Because um, we're all still waiting for Source Connect Four. Eh. What's the update, man? Um, Source Connect we'll Four. There's going to be like a musicians thing coming out, but it's not going to be anything of interest to to us. It's going to be for a guy mixing who wants to have his client or somebody monitor and listen along while they while he's in his DAW. That's going to oh, okay. be the first version of Source Connect Fourth Generation. Not to confuse. So you, that, that's the first thing first that's going to be built yeah. on the platform. Because it's more of a, isn't SourceConnect 4 more like a platform? That's exactly it. Well, Rebecca's rebuilt everything from scratch, which is right. SourceConnect 3.9 is just like this, like chugging along and it just works great, essentially. Yeah. And yeah. It's, it is. So, you know, like the the thing that we're trying to communicate to beta testers is like, if you're looking to beta test the thing that's going to replace SourceConnect for VO recording and this and that, forget it. That's not this. Here's what it's for. Please beta test it. But really, the push right now is Source Live. Um, that's that's and and the gateway and how that's all interactive with clients. You know, bringing them in. Um, what, what else are we? You know, we have Nexus for Windows. That's new. Oh wow, that's a big oh, deal. Yeah. Oh really? Yeah. yeah. Nexus for Windows is coming that's out. A huge Windows user huge. base of audio, of course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Look for Nexus for Windows soon. <laughs> all right. We oh, shall. Excellent. Well, that's a pretty comprehensive new. It is indeed. I got some more new. Or I don't know if this is new. Yeah. Um, but one one thing I found, I, I, I shouldn't say I found, um, essentially Vincent found it, who, who works with me at Source Elements. And uh, we were trying to figure out how to do some wiring. And George, I think, if, as you can imagine, pushing Cat5 cable around the house is not nearly as hard as pushing, you know, audio cable, especially multi-pair yeah. audio cable. Yes, audio snakes with eight pairs of yeah. Those big yeah, if you want to, like, like if you get a good electrician, they can run some Cat Five around your house with minimal holes in the wall, make yep. it pretty elegant. 
Um, and then to Ward Beck, I don't know if they're still providing this, but there's, I believe, some other companies that do the same thing. Um, you can basically take one single Cat5 cable and run four XLR connections, either male or female, or really just like, you know, four three conductor connections. So it becomes a really great way to wire up a house, especially if you just need to get a microphone in and headphones back to a booth or something like that. You can string a Cat5 cable through the wall, and then you can get these breakout boxes um, that essentially you plug the Cat5 into, and then it kicks it out to whatever you want. You know, four XLR males or four XLR females or a pair of each. Uh, they even make some that uh, plug into a little DB25 card. So you plug two of those in and now you have eight channels that can go DB25 either directly into a piece of gear. A lot of, you know, Apollo rack gear uses DB25 or, um, you know, a lot of audio interfaces for Pro Tools. Um, or you can get patch bays, TT patch bays that terminate in DB25. And so you can easily get things wired up and you don't have to go through the cost or the hassle of really pushing actual audio cable through the house. And it seems to work pretty well, amazingly. Yeah, I mean, this is the concept is actually called a ballon. Ballon, meaning balanced, unbalanced. And, no, it's um, balanced. It's balanced all the way through. It does not oh, okay. unbalance. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that yeah, you're. I'm, that's true. It is has to. It has to be balanced all the way through. But the ballon units I've used for consumer audio, mm-hmm. what they do is they give you like say an RJ. They give you like an RCA jack on one end to plug in a CD player, and then converts it to balanced for the run down the cat five cable and at the other, other, other end, it unbalances it to turn it back into, I see. you know, RCA. So are they transformer so, balancing it or are they actively exactly. balancing it? Oh, it's a tiny little transformer on both ends. You know, it's I called a, that's what's called a ballon. Right. So they, now that word ballon is sort of generically used. So you can get HDMI ballons, you know, that run HDMI on cat five and, mm-hmm. But it's a different technology entirely. That's all digital technology. Yeah, this is just what you're literally putting is purely the, analog, putting the mic signals onto those little Cat Five cables. And there's a lot more shielding in a full XLR cable. Or you look at like a Quad Star cable that uses, I think, two wires for every wire. Yeah, and so you yeah, can, correct. you can. Yep. I'm sure if you go to your local, you know, hi-fi shop that has cables that have directions on them, um, <laughs> someone's going to scoff at it from some sort of crosstalk point of view. But it seems to be very good and certainly very usable. And if you think about the ability for cat five to run a gigabit network, which is like very high frequency. And so it is actually a good way of getting signals from end to end in a clean way. Um, it just, this just makes it easy on the wiring because it's such cat five cables cheap. It's yeah. easy to push through walls and conduit. It's, um, yeah. you know, it's you're going to lift, you're going to laugh when you hear this, but when I was a sound mixer, when I moved to LA, I was, I couldn't afford what, you know, all the pros were really using, you know, and back in the day, we'd always had to run audio to camera because they were always shooting on video and they mm-hmm. wanted to get the audio right to the camera, you know? So you had to have this long tether from your sound card to a camera. So I made mine with cat five, exactly as you're describing. I made my own yeah. breakout connector at each end with an RJ 45. And then it was a little pigtail with an XLR, like two XLRs and like an eighth inch jack. And that yeah. would plug into the camera, and then the eighth inch would feed the audio from the camera back to me, so I could punch my mixer and hit the monitor, you know, listen to the feed from the camera, and make sure it wasn't crunchy, distorted, you know. And, See, George, you're ahead of your time. 
Yeah, I did that with Cat5. I had like just a cheap yellow Cat5 cable. And if somebody ran over it and crushed it with a forklift or dropped some freaking C-stand on it, who cares? Let's get another 100-foot Cat5. It works. Apparently, radial makes some boxes too. They call it the catapult. (laughs) Um, Radial is a cool company. They're out of Canada. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so is Ward Beck. Apparently, Canadians are all about... Ether, uh, you know, cat five audio. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But actually, you know, you think about it, the first place you saw this concept of like what, how, how to use cat five more efficiently is the Furman headphone systems. Right. You know, like, that's right. And, and, and those would run the power through it too. But, uh. That's right. Yeah. They were great. Well, I got one more to tag on. This might turn into a two parter. Um, <laughs> quick play. I'm, I'm really curious about the cat five though. That's really, really interesting. Yeah, that is cool. Yeah. The last one I want to mention is a, is another denoising plugin. <laughs> we love those, don't we? Um, a, a lot, lot of ago, noise we, in the world. Gotta yes, get there is. <laughs> Especially your house, Robert, by the sounds. Touche. <laughs> <laughs> Um, right. Yeah, I, uh, you know, we've talked about this in the past. We've compared and talked about Waves uh, DNS or NS1, uh, WNS, all these different denoising plugins. Z-noise. Z-noise. No. There's so no. many. So what what this plugin is is a, it's made by someone called Bertom, B E R T O M, and uh, they've made their own denoiser plugin that I would say is highly reminiscent of Waves, W N S, like very very reminiscent. Oops. <laughs> so if you're looking for an alternative to that plugin, you don't own it. If you don't own any Waves stuff, and you don't want to own any Waves because you just don't. Want to have to get into that licensing system and you and you are on a budget, check out Bertum Denoiser because it is an excellent five band expander yeah, that's uh, basically, for reducing noise. Yeah. And going, going back to a multi-band compressor, here you go. Exactly. Full circle. <laughs> this is a it says zero crossover. It says no crossovers with no phase shift. Hmm. Um is what it says. Um oh, when there is no reduction. Got you. So ah. when when the audio is not being reduced. It the is crossovers are gone. It's yeah, it's completely yeah. Uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, transparent. So designed by somebody very smart. Maybe they reverse engineered some other tools out there. I don't know, but it's honorware, so you can pay what you can afford. Oh, nice! It's pay what you want. So that's really nice. And um, I, th- it I works think this great. is all. I think this is all stuff based on like a, an early Dolby box that was like a single or two-fader version of this idea of like an expander. Yes, I remember that box. And I think Waves Waves makes a homage to it. I think that's the 43. Yeah, maybe. And then then the WNS is like the full version of it, which is also interesting. It's kind of like what Cedar goes for. You know, like the no the no fingerprint method instead of having to take a fingerprint of the noise yep. and then reduce from there this is this is more of the expander instead of the and this uh, is this is in really 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 real time because mm-hmm. it's just a it's not an algorithm you know it's not having to analyze audio and remove it it's not an algorithm it's just an analog process it's very low overhead and super low latency so you can insert this on the input chain of a, of your daw and Get please the don't, please don't though. But yes. don't do it. Yeah, but please never don't do ever it. do that. <laughs> right. But you could do that and you can really clean up your signal chain uh, going into your DAW before it even reaches Source Connect. So I'm not saying you should do that, but you can do that. 
And it works amazingly well, is all I'm saying. You can do that if you know what you're doing. <laughs> if you know what you're doing. Yeah. If you pay me to set it up for you, you, I go. promise I will do it right. And nobody will know. Nobody will be more the wiser. But anyway, that's Bertom uh, Denoiser plugin. And it works on every platform except Pro Tools because, well, it's yeah. probably pretty expensive to develop for Pro Tools. So. Yeah, interesting. Well, here's it's something to finish off with, which is has nothing to do with new technology, or maybe it does. Um, an episode we haven't released yet at the time of recording this one is an episode with Scott Brick uh, and Simone Filer about audiobooks. I got an email overnight from Los Angeles from an audiobook company. Oh. Seeing if I was interested in voicing audiobooks. Oh, How isn't that bizarre nice? is that? Yeah. Were they of a reputable uh, nature? Yes, they are, as I found out. I, oh, I emailed good. Scott and asked him, and he, he knows them very well. Good, good. Does the name of the company start with a D? It does indeed. Yep. I know maybe who they are. <laughs> there and you if go. If they are who I think they are, then yes, they are. Quite reputable, yes. Yeah, and the books that he's yeah. been asked to read are called Little Golden Books. Oh, <laughs> I don't even know what they are. Little Golden Books. Didn't you have oh those when gosh. you were a kid? Did I... Didn't have books when I was a I kid. I did. Oh. <laughs> they only had cave paintings. Yeah, that's right. We used to have yeah, chisel. That's, right. that's what we had. Chisel on a brick. There you go. Chisel go on the something. wall. <laughs> uh, Andrew, you. you can go decode some of the paintings in the on the in the middle of. Australia there on the uh, rocks. Well, before they get blown up by some mining company. Yeah, don't oh, start. I have to say, Andrew, if you do take on an audiobook, I want to hear that book because it'll be the best sounding audiobook yeah. ever recorded Absolutely. by <laughs> humankind. Yeah. I'm not kidding. I've heard a lot of bad audiobooks, and yours is going to sound amazing. You'll scare all the little right. kids, but you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Could use the new uh, ear pop guard. Oh, something new that we have to tease. You haven't. Yeah. Uh, doesn't even exist. It's vaporware. Yet. Exactly. Stand by. <laughs> well, that was fun. Is it over? The Pro Audio Suite recorded using Rode NTG5s and Source Connect. Edited by Andrew Peters and mixed by Voodoo Radio Imaging. With tech support from George the Tech Witter. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and join in the conversation on our Facebook group. To leave a comment, suggest a topic, or just say good day, drop us a note at our website.